0: I'm Natasha Sinjanovich, and this is The Passion of Ethel Rosenberg, Act 3. Our trial was a disaster.
1: Julie and I have had a death sentence hanging over us for nearly two years now. For us, that means the electric chair. The court has set and reset our execution date four times. How often can you rehearse saying goodbye to your kids without going crazy? This must be how it feels when you're old. You're still alive and glad of it, but the clock's ticking so fast you know you could die any minute. That's me. Our trial lasted three weeks. A week after that, the jury convicted us of espionage. Judge Kaufman... Well, here's what he said about Julie. I consider his crime worse than murder. I believe his conduct in putting into the hands of the Russians the A-bomb years before our best scientists predicted Russia would perfect the bomb has already caused, in my opinion, the communist aggression in Korea, with the resultant casualties exceeding 50,000. The evidence indicated quite clearly that Julius Rosenberg was a prime mover in this conspiracy. Now here's where I come in. However, let no mistake be made about the role which his wife, Ethel Rosenberg, played in this conspiracy. Instead of deterring him from pursuing his ignoble cause, she encouraged and assisted the cause. She was a mature woman, almost three years older than her husband and almost seven years older than her younger brother. She was a full-fledged partner in this crime. Well, at least he didn't accuse us of killing Christ. And how's this for justice? Even though my treacherous brother Davy confessed to stealing the A-bomb plans he supposedly passed on to Julie, he gets off with just a 15-year sentence. His wife, Ruth, who had her nose in everything he did, walks away totally free. It makes you wonder... Robert E. Lee led an army against the United States that killed over a 100,000 Union soldiers, and he didn't spend a day in prison. He even got to keep his horse and sword. Oh, let's not forget Axis Sally, either. She broadcast German propaganda to American troops all through the war and got only a 30-year sentence. Bet she'll be out in 10. But me... Ethel Rosenberg, who's convicted only of typing up some secret papers for her husband, which she did not do, let me remind you. She gets the chair. My country, tis of thee. Oppression and treachery of thee. I spit You know the absolutely best thing that happened to me during those terrible weeks leading up to our trial? From time to time, they drove Julie and me to court in this big van to meet with our lawyer. First, the van would pick up prisoners from the men's detention center and then come to the women's Bastille to scoop up us female jailbirds. They'd put a piece of chain-link fence down the center of the van to separate the sexes. I guess they wanted to keep us from having an orgy. Who knows? Cops got dirty minds. Anyway, I'd reach my fingers through the screen and hold hands with Julie. We could even kiss. Well, kind of kiss if you didn't mind tasting more cold metal than you did warm lips. After that first trip, the other prisoners would save space so Julie and I could always sit together and be personal. Being with Julie that way may not sound like much, but it was honeymoon hot for me. (laughs) You should have seen me when I showed up for the first day of trial. I was gorgeous. I wanted Julie to be proud of me, and he was. I wore this dark blue skirt, just a little tight at the hips. That wasn't entirely planned, but as you can see, I like my snacks. Up here? Oh, oh, I wore a white blouse accented by a red bodice. Can you picture it? I topped off my ensemble with a wide-brimmed hat covered with netting that tied right here under my chin. Okay, my chins. My jail buddies loved it. Ooh-wee! Miss Ethel Rosenberg, you go on a court looking like that, honey, and you'll give that judge a hard-on. Hell, he won't even mess with the trial. The reporters weren't quite as complimentary. They said I looked garish, said I was cold and unemotional during the trial. They don't know anything about me, and they really don't want to. They've got to make people believe I'm pure evil. It's a lot easier to jail and kill a person who's got no human feelings. Well, I'm not going to go around wearing an apron and shedding motherly tears like those bastards want me to. I won't even give them the satisfaction of thinking I'm weak or apologetic. Those pictures they print of Julie, oh, forget them. I think they throw away the ones showing how strong and handsome he is and just use the ones that make him look like an anemic reference librarian. To me, he's Tarzan with a mustache. He hugs me and caresses my hair, and I just dissolve... Julie and I get to be in the same room with each other only when our lawyer comes to meet us. No lawyer, no face-to-face visits. So I wrote Manny and asked him to come see us more often so I wouldn't be so lonely for Julie. Unfortunately, the warden read the letter I will not be made a fool of Mrs. Rosenberg. It is my decision, my decision alone, when and how you and your husband will be allowed personal visits. Do you understand me? If there's another instance of this trickery, I'll see to it that you and your husband consult with your lawyer separately. I hope I can make myself clear. The only evidence the government had against us was the testimony of my lion brother and his goody-two-shoes wife. There was no incriminating documents or photographs. No tap telephone calls, no records of us secretly meeting with our supposed Russian contacts, no indication the Russians had ever paid us a dime, nothing but accusations, nothing but lies. Well, if the evidence is so weak, Mrs. Rosenberg, why did a jury convict you? The prosecutor and the judge, not that there was a big difference between them, were very careful in who they allowed on the jury and who they rejected. Anyone who thought America shouldn't have dropped the A-bombs on Japan, rejected. Anyone who thought America should have shared the bomb plans with Russia when she was still our ally, rejected. Anyone who opposed the House Un-American Activities Committee, rejected. Anyone who belonged to a left-wing organization, rejected. Anyone who'd subscribed to a left-wing publication, rejected. Anyone who was against capital punishment, rejected. Take away all those people, and what have you got left? A lynch mob. Oh, yeah. There were no Jews on the jury, either. And only one woman. Besides all that, our legal defense wasn't the best. Even though Manny put his heart into defending us, the prosecution had months to build a case against us with a staff of researchers and the FBI to help them out. We had no investigators on our side, nothing to go on except our best memories of what happened years ago. It's not plans for the A-bomb the government fears being exposed. What terrifies them is that the working class will wake up one day and realize how rotten it's being treated. When that happens, you'll have an explosion that'll make the A-bomb seem like a balloon popping. Within a month after we dropped the bombs on Japan, it was all over the newspapers that Russian scientists had this big supply of uranium and were already on the verge of making their own A-bombs. It's insane to think that sophisticated scientists would turn to a low-level drone like Davy. He was just a machinist, for God's sake. He knows zilch about explosives, and Julius knows even less but what's reality got to do with it when you're out for blood? Julie and I have the bad luck of being picked as examples. We're here to put the fear of God into anyone else who might have something good to say about Russia or something bad about the U.S. When they indicted Julie, they thought he'd turn on Russia and renounce it in court to save his own skin but he's a man of honor. You know what he said when they asked him his opinion of Russia? He sat there, straight and strong, and told the court that the Soviet government had been good for its people, especially the underdogs, that it was educating everyone building up its natural resources and reconstructing the cities that were nearly destroyed in the war, he pointed out that Russia was crucial in defeating the German war machine that had killed six million of his fellow Jews. He was fearless. When the lawyer asked him how he felt about Russia now, without so much as blinking an eye, he said, I still feel the same way. That was a man of courage speaking. I think I handled my own testimony pretty well, too. Some of the questions were almost laughable. One had to do with whether someone had given Julie a special table to use to take pictures of government documents. I told him he bought that table on sale at Macy's, which is true. Then they wanted to know why we had gone to a particular photographer to get our pictures taken. Wasn't it to get passports so we could leave the country? Leave the country? We're so broke we're buying groceries on credit. How are we going to leave the country? On foot? With two kids in our arms? I explained that we went to photographers whenever we could simply because we wanted family pictures. Besides that, Michael is fascinated by cameras. Manny wanted Julie and me to call some of our friends as character witnesses. We said no. We knew we were political poison. Anyone who testified for us was certain to be taught as a communist forever. It would ruin them. Just before he faced the hangman In his dreary prison cell British soldiers tortured Barry just because he would not tell Any names of his brave comrades and other things they wished to know Turn informer or we'll kill you Kevin Barry answered no Long before our trial began, my mom and Sammy started hammering at me to cooperate with the FBI and tell them about our friends and political comrades. My God, Ethel. Think of your kids. They're still crying themselves to sleep. Don't you have any pity and decency? Have you forgotten what it is to be a mother? Go ahead, throw your life away if you want to, Ethel, but Davey's young. He could have made something of himself. You're burning hell for what you did to that boy. Thanks for the visit, Ma. It's cheered me up immensely. I don't want to keep you, though. So why don't you and Sammy go outside and pull the wings off some birds? Dr. Miller, my psychiatrist has been a godsend through all this. I know the party says that most personal problems result from the social system failing us and that only a change in the system will solve them. But when your head feels like it's blowing apart, you can't wait for the whole system to change to get some relief. Dr. Miller, Saul, has pulled things out of me I never knew were there. How I set too high a standard for myself as a mother. He says I take on other people's problems and then suffer like they were my own. It's addictive talking to someone like that. The warden allows Saul to visit me every two weeks. It's not exactly like the therapy sessions you see in the movies. He has to sit in the corridor outside my cell while I yammer away on my side. Ready when you are, Ethel. How are you holding up? I'm holding up okay. How do you handle the stress? Well, I write down my thoughts. I read a lot. Short stories, jokes, little things I can concentrate on. I don't think I've got time to finish war and peace. Any exercise? Exercise? Does pacing around the cell and biting my fingernails count? (laughs) Have you been able to communicate with Julius? Talking to Julie is the only thing that keeps me sane. No offense, Dr. Miller. Has he ever mentioned that you cooperate with the FBI to save yourself for the kids? No. We will either leave here together or die here together. Without Julie, there... There is no life for me. Michael and Robbie are at the Hebrew children's home now. I know it's not a great place, but at least it has some stability. I wouldn't... I wouldn't let Michael and Robbie visit us while we were in the detention centers. I thought that seeing their dad and me caged up would injure them more than not seeing us at all. But after we were sent here, we finally agreed to let them visit. We so looked forward to seeing them again. The warden wouldn't let Julie and me be with them together, but I did convince him to let the boys see us in a regular meeting room instead of ourselves. We tried to act brave, just like nothing was wrong. We told jokes and played games and listened to them talk about their friends. We had fun, but it's hard for us to act like regular parents around the boys. They know we don't control our own lives, much less theirs. They try as hard as we do to make the situation seem normal, but it never does. Julie and I write to each other almost every day. Of course we're aware that the authorities read our letter before they pass them on to us. That's okay. It gives us a chance to show those nosy Parkers what fine and patriotic citizens we are. Oh, I'm sure they put a magnifying glass on every word to catch any secrets we might let slip, like where we've hidden all that money the Russians have paid us. Sometimes I write silly things just to confuse the jailers. Like maybe I'll say, Fortune frowns on the pilgrim who tarries by the wayside. Or, I think we can agree that no one understands the ignition process better than Gunderson. I figured that one sent them running to the encyclopedia. (laughs) I read a lot of books. Nothing wrong with improving your mind, is there? even if they're planning to fry your brain later on. Can't you just see it? Spy reads book on way to chair. Losing the trial hasn't been the end of our nightmare. Our mistakes keep coming back to bite us. When Manny summed up our side of the case for the jury, he went out of his way to tell everyone how fairly he thought the trial had been conducted. Julie and I practically fell out of our chairs. That wasn't what Manny had been telling us in private. But we figured, okay, he's coming on nice. Then the judge will give us a lighter sentence. But besides not getting off easier, his remarks have given the appeals court a club to use against us. How can we complain that our trial wasn't fair when our own attorney is on record saying that it was? The date set for our execution is sometime during the week of January 12th. As usual, we've filed for a stay of execution, but just in case it's not granted, we've told our friends not to buy us magazine subscriptions for Christmas. The, 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 that, that's a joke, son, as Senator Claghorn says. <sighs> we Jews are good at joking. "'all the way to the gallows. "'God knows we've had the practice. "'It's kept Julie and me sane throughout this ordeal. "'When he learned we were being transferred to Sing Sing, <laughs> "'he began referring to the prison "'like it was an apartment complex. "'He calls it Using Manor. "'Ladies and garbage men, "'I give you Ethel Rosenberg. "'Please give her back at the conclusion of the performance.' Who's afraid of the big electric chair? The big electric chair, the big electric chair. Who's afraid of the big electric chair? They can shove it up their spine for all I (laughs) care. The matrons love that one. Stop it, Ethel, stop it, you're killing me. The book I keep returning to is a treasury of Jewish humor. It's not a bunch of jokes like you see in Reader's Digest. It's it's more of a collection of stories that show how we Jews have used humor to handle the hard times. This one's my favorite. The battle is about to begin. So the general gathers his soldiers around him and says, this will be a bloodbath. It's gonna be hand-to-hand combat, man against man, and I fear most of you will not return. The Jewish soldier raises his hand and says, Please, sir, point out my man, and maybe I can come to an understanding with him. (laughs) My dad would have loved this joke. You know, my heart goes out to the people who keep this hellhole operating. The guards, the matrons, the cooks. They are not here because they enjoy putting the screws to us. At least most of them don't. It's just a way to put bread on the table. I can see there's no job satisfaction in keeping us in cages. How sickening it must feel to see a prisoner they've become friends with, taken away and slaughtered. One evening they're here trying to comfort you, and the next morning they're scrubbing out your cage for the next victim. Don't get me wrong, I'd much rather be working here than living here. At least I could go home and be with my kids, but but I don't see the staff as my enemy. They're just hard-working dead-enders. Like my dad. (laughs) Judge Kaufman has set our execution for tomorrow. This means Julie and I can celebrate our 14th wedding anniversary today without the inconvenience of being dead. I asked Julie to take me out someplace special tonight, but I haven't heard back from him yet. Maybe he's planning a surprise. He's such a hopeless romantic. Accent on hopeless. I seem to be leaking courage. If these people are determined to kill us tomorrow, shouldn't they at least have the heart to let us be together on our last night? Our wedding was joyful, but nothing for the society pages. We just went in and saw the rabbi, said a few words, and then went back out to listen to jokes and best wishes from our friends. The Communist Party didn't hold with elaborate celebrations back then. Too bourgeois, too much a slap in the face of the impoverished working class. But the beauty part was... That I went in Ethel Green Glass and came out Mrs. Julius Rosenberg. Now, there's a real transformation for you. Up until then, Julie and I had been discreetly rehearsing certain aspects of marriage in my bedroom at home. Now we could move in with Julie's family as a respectable married couple and sleep together all night. The world never runs out of excuses to kill Jews, does it? I'm not saying the government targeted us because we're Jews. So are the judge and the prosecutors who put us here. But being Jews makes us a lot safer targets. Everyone knows we have this weird religion and special talents. We're the kind of people you gotta keep your thumb on or we will outsmart you and take over the world. The public finds it easy to believe the worst about us. To them, we're not quite real Americans, unless we've changed our names to something like Kirk Douglas or Lauren Bacall. The only good news is that our case has created an international uproar over the past few months. It comes a bit late, I know, but we'll take what we can get. The week before Christmas, a thousand people demonstrated on our behalf outside the prison here. And newspapers around the world have condemned the trial and how severe our sentence is. The Good Grey New York Times has never given us a break. It treats Judge Kaufman's opinions like they're holy, but rarely prints anything from our supporters. The Times wouldn't even carry an ad that offered copies of our trial transcript for sale. Guess they didn't want the masses to know what really went on. We were such nobodies when we were arrested. It's hard to believe that now we're supported by some of the most famous people alive—big names like Picasso and Chagall and Jean-Paul Sartre. Even the Pope has asked President Eisenhower to spare us. I feel like Saint Joan of the Lower East Side. Yeah, I know, I I don't look Catholic, but Jews burn at the stake just as well. Obviously, they didn't kill us in January as scheduled. We got a brief stay from the court after we submitted our first plea to Eisenhower. A plea he promptly rejected. So they reset our farewell party for March 9th. But the Court of Appeals stayed that one, too. Never one to give up. That hound of hell, Judge Kaufman, arranged our execution for tomorrow. That's where we are now. We've basically run out of options. Unless flying saucers swoop down and snatch us away. (laughs) We did have one pleasant surprise. Two weeks ago, the director of the Bureau of Prisons, a man named John Bennett, came to talk to us. The director of the Bureau of Prisons? How about that? He spent an hour with Julie, then a half hour with me, and then another half hour with both of us. Our lawyer wasn't there, so together we had to stand up to him. He told us. The Attorney General has agreed to halt your execution if you would just confess and cooperate. Talk some sense into your husband, Mrs. Rosenberg. It doesn't have to end this way. All we're asking you to do is confirm what we already know. That's it. We can avert this tragedy. I've seen pictures of your sons. They're both such handsome children. Confess and cooperate? We've discovered that's a legal term meaning lie and betray. We turned him down on the spot. But when the Attorney General, the highest law officer in the land, tries to save your life, you figure you got some leverage. So Julie and I wrote up a statement about Bennett's proposal and had Manny give it to the press. Wait, wait, here's what we said. By asking us to repudiate the truth of our innocence, the government admits its own doubts concerning our guilt. We will not help to purify the foul record of a fraudulent conviction and a barbaric sentence. We solemnly declare now and forevermore that we will not be coerced, even under the pain of death, to bear false witness and to yield up to tyranny our rights as free Americans." History will record, whether we live or not, that we were victims of the most monstrous frame-up in the history of our country. Mr. Bennett hasn't called back, but he made it pretty clear his office still stands if we change our minds. The government is in a bind. To justify our death sentence, they have to paint us as total villains. They assumed that we'd give in to them and they could show how merciful they were, allowing us black-hearted spies to live. They thought they could have it both ways, be both vengeful and compassionate. But we blew that plan apart, so now they have to execute us to save face, even though they know there'll be a big backlash if they do. Joseph Stalin died a few weeks ago. Did you read about it? A lot of good Americans danced in the street at the news. They danced to a different tune back when Stalin's armies were crushing the Germans and shortening the war for America. I'm not blind to Stalin's offenses against his own people. He probably has killed millions of his fellow Russians to stay in power and continue the revolution. But before we get too pleased with ourselves, let's not forget that America has murdered many more millions of Indians and Negroes in the name of advancing democracy. Hypocrisy is our national sport. I wrote another letter to Eisenhower. Mr. President, haven't you witnessed enough killing? Haven't you waded in blood? What's to be gained by the destruction of another small, inoffensive Jewish family? My husband and I are innocent of the crimes we're charged with, yet we're being treated more harshly than many of the German butchers who were found guilty at Nuremberg. I beg you to intervene while there's still time. No matter how dark things get in here, A light comes in whenever I think of Julie and how true he's been to the cause. While we were still in shock over our own death sentences, Julie learned that a Negro named Willie McGee had been electrocuted in Mississippi for sleeping with a white woman. The news made him physically sick. It really did. McGee's defenders had spent six years trying to get him acquitted or at least given a fair trial. William Faulkner, Paul Robeson, even Albert Einstein spoke out for him. The president ignored them all. Julie sees McGee's execution as just another effort to suppress progressive politics in America. Kill one Negro, the opposition says, and you'll keep a thousand others in their place. Not forever, though. If your life is hard, you got a friend in Julie. Julie. I can't swear that in all those years of working with the Communist Party, he never met a Soviet agent. During the war, it would have been hard to avoid. But if he was involved the way the
0: FBI says, he would have told me. I'm certain of that.
1: Sometimes I think, who would know if we told the FBI what they want to hear? The answer always comes back. Only you and the rest of the world. Imagine the headline. Ethel Rosenberg sings. People rush into the newsstands to grab copies and see who I'd spilled the beans on. But no, the story says, fresh from a triumphant tour of Europe and other classy neighborhoods, The celebrated singer Ethel Rosenberg sang her heart out for the home folks last night at Carnegie Hall. Drinking it all in from the front row were her dapper husband, Julius, and her proud sons, Michael and Robert. Or how about this one? Ethel Rosenberg confesses. Ethel Rosenberg confesses she faced some tough competition on her way to becoming America's Mother of the Year. (laughs) My mother visited me twice back in January. The first time, she promised me she'd send a plea to Eisenhower, too. Reach in. I'll write to the President as soon as I get home. Mr. Schneider's sister Velba has White House connections. I found out she went straight from here to the FBI and assured them she was still trying to get me to talk. Thanks, Ma. The last time she came, she looked so old and sad. Oh, I thought maybe, maybe she'd finally realize she was about to lose her only daughter. Hi, Ma. You come to take me home? Always with the jokes. That's good. I see they're feeding you well. Wish I could say the same for your brother. Poor Davy. Davy? Baby? Ma! Ma! Get out! Get out! I know the kind of person I am. By the time I left the house of detention, there wasn't an inmate there who didn't feel free to cry on my shoulder. And so many of them did, about how their husbands cheated on them. What's it like seeing their kids go hungry? How scared they are that their lives will never get any better. They knew I listened to them because I cared about them. Here, the matrons treat me like a sister. And why shouldn't they? They've known me as a friend and joker for two years. They know I'm not that pinch-faced bitch you see in the newspapers. I haven't betrayed America. It betrayed me. It sold me a bill of goods, called the Bill of Rights, that's written in disappearing ink. Julie and I got to meet with our boys this past Tuesday. I doubt we'll ever touch or smell them again. Acting like it was just another visit. Julie and I were determined not to wear long faces or make sad farewell speeches. We played games with them and sang a few songs. I read them the letter I'd written to President Eisenhower. I thought it might make them feel like there was still hope. Near the end of the visit, Michael got this wild look and started chanting, One more day to live. One more day to live. It was all I could do to keep from screaming. But I grabbed him in a big bear hug. And what a beautiful day it is, Michael Allen Rosenberg. Don't you dare waste it. Then I gave him a motherly swat on the bottom. And I winked at Robbie like everything was just fine. I wonder if dying will hurt. Will it be just zap, lights out? Or will the shock burn me and whip my body around until I pass out screaming? I wonder what my last thought will be. The mind's a strange thing. Maybe when they pull the switch, I'll smell that foul smell of cooked cabbage from the old neighborhood. I hope my last thought will be what it felt like the first time Julie took me in his arms and smiled down at me. He said I glowed. I've written this poem for the boys and told Manny to give it to them afterward. You shall know, my sons, shall know Why we leave the song unsung The book unread The work undone To rest beneath the sod More, no more, my sons, no more Why the lies and smears were framed The tears we shed The hurt we bore To all shall be proclaimed Earth shall smile My sons shall smile and green above our resting place. The killing end, the world rejoice in brotherhood and peace. Work and build, my sons, and build a monument to love and joy, to human worth, to faith we kept for you, my sons,
0: for you. When they kill me and Julius,
1: they'll destroy something precious and irreplaceable. All the things we know, all the beauty we could share, all the good deeds we could still do. Such a waste, such a terrible waste. There you have it, my American success story of how a girl from the slums found true love, gave birth to two great kids, became world famous and retired at 36 to write her memoirs. Now I gotta get some sleep. I wouldn't want Julie to see me looking like this. God, I hate moving, don't you? And just when this dump was beginning to feel like home,
0: The Passion of Ethel Rosenberg Epilogue Ethel and Julius Rosenberg were electrocuted at Sing Sing Prison on Friday, June 19, 1953, the day after their 14th wedding anniversary. They walked to their deaths without complaint or hesitation. Julius was the first to go. He was pronounced dead at 8.06 p.m. after receiving the customary three electric shocks. It took five shocks to kill Ethel, who died at 8.16 Witnesses said smoke curled from her head after the final surges. The Rosenbergs were killed just before sunset in deference to their religion. Michael and Robert Rosenberg were adopted by Abe Mirapol and his wife and raised with the Mirapol surname, which they continued to keep. After serving nine and a half years of his 15-year sentence, David Greenglass, Ethel's brother, was released from prison. He admitted that he had lied about his sister's participation in spying, under pressure from the prosecution, and did so in order to protect his wife. He died in 2014 at the age of 92, having outlived his doomed sister 61 years. Although evidence has since emerged that Julius probably did spy for Russia, nothing has ever come to light that ties Ethel to the crime for which she was executed. The Passion of Ethel Rosenberg was written by Edward Morris and produced for podcast by Carrie and Joe Pagetta. Ethel is played by Carrie Pagetta, reprising the role she originated for the play's premiere in Nashville in 2017. The original score was written and performed by Joe Pazapia. I'm Natasha Sinianovich. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Carrie Pagetta. And I'm Joe Pagetta.
1: And we're the producers of The Passion of Ethel Rosenberg, a radio play. It's been an honor to bring the words of playwright Edward Morris to life and to share Ethel Rosenberg's story in this way. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider donating a few bucks to help us defray the cost of getting it made and making it available. Visit passionofethelrosenberg.podbean.com and click the donate link or donate directly
0: via PayPal to dramaticinterpretations at gmail.com. Thank Thank you. you.